Welcome to the 27th episode of the Most Serious Podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Mr. John Marty, who's the co-founder of Freedom Fund Real Estate and also Project 1B. Mr. John Marty was an ex-product manager at firms like Amazon and American Express. He's also the host of the Mindset Reset podcast and he runs a YouTube channel called John Marty. We talk about his life experiences of working as a founding member in a startup to working in some really high profile corporate jobs. We try to break down the idea of a dream job and does that correspond to a fulfilled life? I also talk to him about financial freedom. What is financial freedom and once you understand it, how can you achieve it? In this episode, we discuss about the importance of asking questions to yourself and how that helps you to gain clarity and define a purpose for yourself. Do listen to this episode to hear the very interesting life story of Mr. John Marty and all the lessons that he learned along the way. I hope you like the conversation today. Let's get into the episode now. Mr. John Marty, finally, we were able to get the hold of you. Welcome to the most serious podcast. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. And, you know, looking from, from the, I go through your LinkedIn posts and I've gone through your podcast and your YouTube channel in general, and you are, you're the kind of person that we always love to have on this podcast, right? So you are a avid liver of life, if that's a term. So you've been going through some really cool life experiences or some people might call them hardships. Some people might call them, you know, building blocks or whatever. So you are a person who has a perspective on life and who thinks about things uh, comprehensively. So I, I want to go back to your ki- childhood, right? So was John Marty as a kid also this completely figuring out guy or was he was he someone who was just, you know, was going by life day by day, someone just chilling out? Yeah, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good question. <laughs> so I think, uh, I mean, maybe not necessarily the early childhood, um, but but more like the you know, high school and college years. Um, I have some family from, from Puerto Rico. And so we, we would go back and forth to Puerto Rico quite a bit. And there was this surf culture type of aspect in, in yeah. Puerto Rico. That was, uh, you know, that was a big thing. And I, I grew up in Ohio. Um, and so for those of you who don't know, like Ohio is, uh, not really near any surfing. Uh, <laughs> it's not near any beaches. It's essentially landlocked with a lake, uh, yeah. up, up North. And a very different vibe overall. So I would go back to Puerto Rico uh, and then I'd come to Ohio with my Hawaiian shorts and my Jeep (laughs) and my super long hair and my puka shell necklaces in high school. And so I I, I had this kind of very free spirit in high school. I I don't know if my parents thought I was going to go very far, (laughs) to be honest (laughs) with you, because I was very different. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't interested in school. I didn't really find much utility with it. Um, I always kind of looked at it as a game. I never looked at it as like this real life thing. Um, So I, I I didn't take it extremely serious. Yeah. And I didn't take life very serious at all when I was that age. But I think as I started to get a little bit older, more towards my mid twenties, early thirties, that's when I started to become a lot more serious about things, you know, uh, shouldering financial responsibility, um, getting to the point where, you know, we were, we were going to have a kid. Those things really start to wake you up a bit. And, um, you know, I, I had a, my junior year in college, I wound up 
starting up this electronics company, little tiny, little 700 square foot Mm -hmm. uh, electronics business in a tiny little town, Durango, Colorado. And um, I had a partner and it was spawned from an entrepreneurial class project. Yeah. And the class project was to start a business. And so I said, okay, well, I I really do want to start a business. At that time, I thought that becoming an entrepreneur was the path to freedom um, and was the path to wealth. I, I, like I think many people, wanted to be extremely wealthy. Um, I thought that wealth tied to happiness. I thought there was almost a direct correlation to the size of my bank account, um, providing me the size of my fulfillment. And the right. lack of bank account size um, correlated to lack of fulfillment. So I, I grew up that way. And I don't think it was my parents' influence. I think it was my um, social influences in my life, cultural influences in my life, U.S. Um, subconscious social um, impact that made me drive towards that. So I said, well, what can I do that I would kind of like doing and that could make me rich and retire by 35. And it's well, electronics business. Of course, of course. <laughs> and um, so it was, um, you know, for the, for, for those of the, in the audience who are listening in the, in the U S that's uh, it's just like a big box type store with a bunch of electronics, Best mm. Buy uh, type thing, but I was on a very, very small scale. So from there, Um, we created this business plan. No banks would have us. They were not interested in financing a couple of 21 year olds. Um, so we sought out some, some capital from, from friends and family. And, um, we raised a little bit of money. I mean, we're talking a little bit here, uh, to, to get it off the ground. And the first day we opened, we had someone walk into the store and say, is this your going out of business sale? (laughs) <laughs> and because we, we had no product, we had no, we had no relationships with distributors. We had, no, wow. we had nothing to sell. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was actually really funny. And we said, no, <laughs> this is not our going out of business sale. This is like our first day. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I think, I think the only reason at first that we had any traction, my, myself and my, my college buddy was yeah. uh, because we had sympathy <laughs> mm. okay. from, from a lot of people in the community, like, oh boy, we got to help these guys out because they are going to fail miserably. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, you know, it's an interesting lesson. Uh, college didn't necessarily prepare me for any kind of entrepreneurial route. And, uh, I did that for, for 10 years. I, I spent 10 years in that company growing it. We, we grew it to a couple million in sales. The company mm-hmm. still exists today. I wound up oh. selling my shares, 50% of the the business to, yeah. uh, to my business partner who, who still owns it today. Um, right. he, he has a whole nother location and, uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting how, th- how things go like that. Right. I, 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 I didn't, as I look back, I didn't make nearly as much as I thought I would. And mm. I had an impression that just by starting a company, you could become rich, but it, it's actually much, much harder than that. Right. Um, and, uh, so even though the company was doing pretty well and we had mm-hmm. multi-million dollar sales, myself and my partner from a take-home in- income perspective, it was very low. I mean, I was making like $40,000 a year, $30,000 a year. Now in the US, that's low. Uh, so context matters here, but it was, it was um, 
pretty low. And I thought that getting a six figure salary would be something very easy to do, but right. uh, t- turns out that that, that was actually quite difficult to do. So I said, okay, well, well what's the next step? Hmm. Um, when I sold that company, I took all the cash, every single dollar from that right. sale of that company. I had a couple hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point I thought I was rich cause I'm like 29 years old and I have all this tax-free money and yeah. I'm ready, ready to go. And I could have done anything with it. I could have bought real estate, which probably would have been a much better decision at that point. Yeah. But instead I poured it all into a second company. And so I had this second company. It was a software development company. I moved yeah. from little, little town in Colorado to Miami, Florida to start up this company with a partner who, who I met through a friend. And he was a multimillionaire. He had a $5 million house in the water. Like you take this little, little me mm-hmm. going from Durango to Miami and being mm-hmm. partnered with this guy who was extremely wealthy. And um, I got, I got caught up into that world. I was like, this is the world for me. This is it. Yeah. And um, within about a year and a half or so, the company failed and um, I lost all my money. And I had, I, I really had nothing, man. I was in a really bad spot. I started to apply to a couple jobs because I was so burnt out. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was now almost 12 or so years deep into entrepreneurial ventures. I'm about 32 years old. And all I wanted was just some kind of consistency from a paycheck perspective. That's all I wanted. Right. So I said, well, let me, let me try to get some kind of job and create some stability. We had this, you know, uh, our first child uh, on the way <clears throat> and nobody would hire me. Nobody mm-hmm. would even look at my resume. They saw me as a generalist, not a specialist. I didn't have any corporate logos on my resume, which shied a lot of people away from me. Um, yeah. Even though I had all this depth in, in electronics experience and I could have, I did apply to many, many electronics companies, um, big corporations, uh, still crickets. So uh, I started to internalize that because they weren't interested in me, that I was worth less. Okay. And that was a very hard blow. And, uh, I got so desperate that I started working at Best Buy for $12 an hour, $12 an hour after having that company. And, um, I, I, I had to kind of reset my mind. I had to reset my expectations. I had to remove my expectations. I had to sell things that were at that point, part of my identity, hmm. my car that I drove was part of my identity. The watch that I owned was part of my identity. Yep. And I started to recognize at that point that the things I had identified with being part of my self-worth hmm. were things I no longer had attachment to. I started to realize that my entire sense of self-worth was attached to attachment, all hmm. the things that I owned. And I, I had learned a couple of these things from, from a number of books that I was reading because I was searching for answers. I was really, really depressed. Right. And I had no way of understanding how to parse through this depression that I was dealing with other than reading these books about happiness and fulfillment and the origins of happiness, the origin of fulfillment, um, what makes up a meaningful existence. And there were things that I was uncovering at that time that made me say, oh my goodness, why didn't I learn any of these things in school? I didn't learn about what is shame. I didn't learn about the ego. I didn't learn about the origins of a meaningful life. Mm. So 
they started to create a new foundation for me. They started to kind of wake me up. And, um, and I think it was the most beneficial learning experience that I've ever had, because um, if I wouldn't have had that, I wouldn't be grounded in some of the things that I know today about happiness and fulfillment um, that, um, that I try to put across to people. Yeah. And it's also why when you, you know, when you opened uh, the, the episode, when you mentioned this idea that I view corporations as this source of utility, it's mm. just a utilitarian play. It right. is a play towards something different, towards something that is actual freedom, true freedom, not, not nine to five passion, not, not uh, finding a dream job. We use these big words to describe things that we plan to do. Mm. And often we find that these things that we do um, or we try to get into corporations to try to fulfill certain dreams we have. And from a short-term perspective, that's okay. But from a long-term perspective, I don't think that's the real goal. The real goal should be actual freedom. I think, yeah. And just to, I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to give like a little bit more context to, to the people listening. So uh, could you maybe first uh, break down this whole concept of what do you mean exactly? Because people listening to this for the first time, they might wonder, okay, how do you mean, uh, you know, working at a corporation might, might not be the best thing for me, or maybe it's, it isn't the best uh, long run game or, you know, if certain people have certain aspirations and it ties down to what you essentially want out from your life. But uh, yeah. can you actually make it a bit simpler for someone to understand why, what is a utilitarian game and what, why do we need to ask these questions? And like, yeah. Why is that so, important? So it, yeah. yeah. So, so in the, in the U S what, um, what a number of generations of, of people are doing is they are going to college and they are going to high school and everything in their lives from the time they're born to the time they exit college is set up so that they can get into a job that they can have a career. And there are many people who talk about entrepreneurship, but leave that aside for just a moment. The large majority of people are going into a company and then they're looking for fulfillment within a corporate hierarchy. Hmm. So they, they get their first job. They might be making $25,000, $30,000 a year. And then they move up a ladder. And so they think of their career progression as a linear career progression. Right. And they think of their ambition from the perspective of career, not mm. unconstrained 100% authenticity of that person within the economic landscape we have. No, it's, I think of myself in a linear fashion. I'm only able to grow so much as my manager allows me to grow. I'm mm. only to, able to take a 3% annual raise. If I want to get a promotion, I have to find out how long it took for Bob to get the promotion before me. If it took him four years, it's likely going to take me four years. I can't get paid more than my manager, even if I'm doing way more work than my manager, right. because my manager is ahead of me. So all these arbitrary hierarchy, caste-like levers the system that we have stifles growth actually. And I, I don't, I don't really believe in that from a long-term perspective. And so, you know, I, I when we, when we get, get to this topic of like growth, 
or ambition, some people have career ambition and some Mm. people have unconstrained ambition. Mm. And there's a very big difference between the two. Career ambition cannot be exponential, but yet the things that we're told to do for our corporations are supposed to be exponential. Me as a former product manager, my goals at Amazon were massive, lofty, 100 million, multi-hundreds of millions type of goals, but yet my salary itself was a flat line. Right. Right. My, my, my growth was here's a couple extra shares. Mm. Here's a, here's a 3% raise to compensate for inflation, even though inflation is currently 6.2%. So my raise is actually making me less money every single year just by sticking around. But why do you think uh, that, that this conscious effort that, you know, you had to take throughout you, you took a conscious charge of your life at some point. And when you realized, okay, I, I now can clearly see my sense of identity. I can realize this hierarchy is uh, not good for my growth, maybe. So why yeah. do you think that is not uh, by default or by design wired into all of us? Maybe if, if, why aren't we consciously aware of the system that we are getting into? I think we just don't ask the questions. Okay. We just believe subconsciously that this is the path I'm supposed to take and I'm supposed to get to the next level or the next layer. And from there, um, that's how I grow. And one day I want to be a vice president. And it's like, well, why, why? If you just start asking yourself the question, why? Hmm. For a lot of things that you just subconsciously follow or believe, you do start to kind of uncover other questions. Well, I don't know who has told me that, huh? Let me ask another question. Let me keep asking another question. I have this YouTube video about what I would do with a thousand dollars in a laptop. If I was just basically dropped by a helicopter in some random place and I had zero money. And my answer would be, I would do nonstop research and understand where do I, as an individual have leverage, what are all the possible opportunities. What are all the subconscious nuanced beliefs that I have? And also recognizing that my identity is not what I believe because what I believe can change over time. Yeah. And many people fall into a trap of my identity is the things I believe today as if our beliefs are just how fixed and they're not. As we learn, we change our beliefs. Hmm. And our identity also changes as well. So I think it's important to just keep an extremely open mind to constantly ask questions. Many people will get into their careers and they've been flatlined with the same salary for years and years. And I ask them, why haven't you done anything about it? And they say to me, well, I've never been given the opportunity. And that's the wrong mentality. It's I have to take the opportunity. I have mm-hmm. to I have to build leverage for myself. I had this I had this employee that was working for me at Amazon. It was one of the most viral posts that I had on LinkedIn and he was making $116,000 a year. Right. And that is a great salary. Keep mm-hmm. in mind that is a great salary. But I told him he was being grossly underpaid. And the word grossly underpaid or the phrase made people online freak out. Mm. And there was millions of views on this post because they said, what do you mean grossly underpaid? 160,000 is a very, very good salary. And I said, 
True, but context matters and right. leverage matters. This individual was a business analyst at Amazon making $116,000 a year. He had moved up the ranks slowly at Amazon. So he was at the bottom of the pay band for his role in the first place. And I told him, look, in Seattle and San Francisco, as a product manager, if I just tweak the representation of you, both on paper and in your mind and in your belief system, I'm going to get you paid $450,000 a year. And he looked at me and thought I was absolutely crazy. And I said, no, give me two years and I will turn you from 116 to 450. Come to find out uh, after two years, I helped him get a product manager role. I helped him repackage, reposition. Then I helped him start applying to other roles after yeah. Amazon. And then all of a sudden, Walmart Labs hit him up. They asked him what his salary expectation was. And he was going to say, an incremental slight bump from what he was currently getting paid at Amazon. And yeah. he said, no, we do not, we do not think of ourselves as incremental growth. And that's another problem in our careers. We think about our next step as a small incremental lever in the salary that we make. Hmm. But yet I told him, you need to look at it from the perspective of what they need from you. Walmart needs Amazon employees. They need hmm. them because Walmart is trying to disrupt Amazon. And because of that, they're going to want to pay you anything you ask them. Yeah. And I knew that. And I knew what he brought to the table. And I said, you tell them 450,000 or you are not leaving Amazon. Hmm. It had nothing to do with his current salary. I am hmm. worth this to you. Yeah. And they gave him, and they gave him that salary. So, wow. so there's, it all comes back to where is my leverage? If I had my computer and I was dropped into the middle of nowhere, what would I do? I would be constantly asking questions. And it's, and it's interesting that you mentioned, and I find this extremely, you know, uh, like this curiosity naturally pops out and you, you are sometimes very curious about things, but uh, there's this natural suppression of uh, following the social norm or the, or the, or the current structure that people have. So it, it, you boil it down, you step it down and you know, you don't care about it anymore. You get uh, focused on the tasks that you have at hand. But in your last video on uh, YouTube also, I was taking that out. You, you talked about most men, you know, and this was a, this was also a very famous quote that most men live their lives in quite desperation. Right. And uh, that's something that's, that's actually, if you look from a uh, bird eye perspective and what all of humans would be like, all of us present would die in what hundred years of time. And if you look from, from a top, uh, top perspective, so you would feel that this is a very, you know, it's a very absurd way to live your life in quite desperation. Why would you want to do that? But it's yeah. such a common norm that uh, even as you were talking about that in your video, also, I felt that it's actually very natural. And you, you, you oftentimes don't question yourself. Why am I living in quite desperation? Why am I not, why am I not trying to break out of this bubble that I've created? So yeah. could you think like for, for, let's say for someone who's just starting it out, so who's starting their career out, who's starting any job out. So they might feel, does this mean that I shouldn't go out for corporations or should I be conscious of my conscious of my approach on how am I structuring my career? So what do you think is, is like a good, uh, good advice or good, good points to ponder on when someone is just starting out on their career? Yeah. So I think that that's important for us to, and this is just, just as me and my own data points with my life. Yeah. So take, so anyone in the audience, take it for what it's worth 
and mold it into your own particular strategy. Most of us will be told that our entirety of fulfillment will come directly from our career. Mm. And that is a false narrative. Whether you're in India or whether you are in the United States, I do not believe in that to provide 100% of your fulfillment. Mm. Fulfillment can come from many, many places. And fulfillment is not a constant either. You're not feeling fulfilled 24 hours a day. There are times when you are up. There are times when you are down. That happens every day. Uh, some moments, some meetings with certain people will energize you. Other meetings will de-energize you. Maybe you have a, a boss that you don't really like and you don't, don't, don't like interacting with that individual. A lot of different factors here. But I think it's important for young people to pursue two different paths. Right. But not to view corporations as the path to fulfillment, to the end of the rainbow mm. is not the case. And um, I, I get vilified quite a bit when I talk about there is no such thing as a dream job because people only have that mental model, that fulfillment, that the dream is there. And why I talk about this not being the case so much is because there are millions of uncontrolled factors in a corporation. Mm. I can't predict when the next reorg is going to happen. I can't predict if my manager is going to be good or bad, or if I'm going to get a different manager, or if people are going to come into the team and change the culture completely from something that I love to something I hate. And we do that, and we're in our careers for 30 some odd years. So why would I want to place all of my bets, all of my chips on maximize fulfillment in that arena, which is why I tell people to do two buckets, the two mm. bucket strategy. One bucket is pursue the career. That's fine. There's utility there. You get yep. your health insurance paid for, grow, find something that's interesting to you. Find something that's maybe mildly interesting. Know that you're going to be learning. Be grateful for the fact that you have a job, right? Be grateful for being pressure tested in an environment. I always talk about the stress that I had at Amazon for the first couple of years that I was there, I was miserable, mm. but also I was grateful. Great. So I think we have that duality in a lot of experiences within our lives. Um, but that's bucket number one. Bucket number two is doing something that is completely unconstrained. Corporations are constrained. My growth is constrained. My manager tells me how fast I can grow. But if I do something else, like you having this podcast, the podcast that you're creating, if you stick with it long enough, is going to be the sole thing that sets you free. The mm -hmm. sole thing. It is 100% authentically you. No one can tell you who you can speak to, who you cannot speak to. You are busting through whatever corporate caste system is being placed upon you. And you are doing 100% you. And I had an individual from India who reached out to me the other day and he said, to, and I created a video about this too. Yeah. I said, I felt so bad for this guy because here he was. And he said, John, my dream has died. And I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? You're like 29 years old. He said, I wanted to be in an F1 pit crew. So what's stopping him? Hmm. His mind is stopping him. Society is stopping him. Society demands perfection. Hmm. Shame demands perfection and conformity. And if he steps out of shame and he steps out of the 100% conforming nature of corporate America, 
Right. All of a sudden, his internal voice says, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to do this. And that's mm-hmm. what stops most people. Yeah. Makes and sense. it's also, it's also a conscious recognition of the fact that shame is demanding those things from us to say, well, that's silly. Why would I listen to shame? I'm just going to start with something. I'm okay with being perceived as starting at the bottom of something I'm passionate about, which mm-hmm. is 100% unconstrained. Great. Start a YouTube channel. Great. Start an Instagram. Great. Start a medium article creation. Great. Start writing on LinkedIn. All of these resources are 100% completely free. They allow you to build an audience on literally anything that you are passionate about. And our passions change over time. But in bucket number two, I can do something that is 100% me. And if I don't yet know what 100% me actually means, then bucket number two serves as a source of discovery for what 100% authenticity is for you, which is unique to every single person. And bucket number one, keep the wheels turning, keep the lights on, let the money you make in that world feed bucket number two, play a long game. And after five to seven years of you playing in both buckets, and it's not an easy task, all of a sudden you have an audience, all of a sudden perfectly tailored opportunities wind up coming to you that you never thought were even possible. And for the gentleman who wanted to be an F1 pit crew, he would get himself closer and closer and closer. If he just for five years started speaking about like a sportscaster, every NASCAR event, every indie event that happened around the world, he would be the definitive source of knowledge after five years. Mm. But people don't realize that in themselves. They Mm. only think small, incremental. Right. And that's, that's something that resonates with me personally as well. And, you know, uh, you mentioning that these two ideologies and how, how well sustainable they are in in a nature, you know, just starting out your career and you can have that window off because you have that energy, obviously in your early days, and you would be able to create something that, that is exponential in nature and something that is confined or, you know, has some growth parameters related to it. Yeah. Now, like, uh, in general, you, I know that you're on this, uh, financial freedom journey and you are, you are educating people on the way. I think that's, that's really cool. And I've been like, uh, up with your LinkedIn posts as well. And you're into real estate now and everything. So now again, for this person who just got this, uh, wisdom from, uh, John Marty about this is how I, this is how I think about maybe, uh, moving forward about my career and my aspirations and my growth. What would financial freedom mean for me? Like again, asking from someone who's just starting their career out and for someone who's just starting their career out, what would financial freedom mean for me? How should I define it? And then what would you suggest? Should I, how should I approach it? Yeah. So financial freedom is from at least a monetary perspective, the ability to say, I do not need my next paycheck to survive. Okay. I can live for years without my next paycheck. Now, whether that be you being in a situation where you are living simply Hmm. or you're living extravagantly, whatever that might be, but it is knowing or having the peace of mind to know that I don't need this job to survive. Right. Because see, any job is a play on survival, no matter how much you make. Hmm. 
as long as you need a paycheck to survive. Hmm. So that's the hard part because if you make great money and you're in a big tech company, yep. I see people who live in Seattle, who live in this condo building that just opened up. It was a building in South Lake Union, right near the Google office, which had just opened and right near all of Amazon campus, right on the water. And the condos were $9,000 a month, mm. small condos, rentals, $9,000 a month. Wow. And yet I went to dinner and I walked around the corner of this building and you could see every light, 15, 20 story building. Mm. And maybe 80% of the lights were on in these condos. You see people walking around from a distance and, you know, in their condos, watching TV and what have you. And you think to yourself, this building is almost hundred percent occupied at $9,000 a month. And people are paying that. And instead of paying that, how could I reorient my life mm. to take $9,000 or some amount of money, whatever your, whatever your income is, just take some amount of money and say, I'm going to live simply I'm going to put it towards something that is going to make me money while I'm sleeping. It's a non-employee mindset. Yeah. The issue that gets people trapped so much, and it's a, it's a diagram that uh, Robert Kiyosaki uh, constantly talks about. Hmm. It's this cash flow quadrant. So the cash flow quadrant on the top left is the employee. The employee trades all of their time for dollars. Yeah. Then on the bottom left, we have the self-employed. The self-employed individual is, uh, has essentially bought themselves a job. So me in my first company, I had bought myself a job. Hmm. Wasn't an entrepreneur. I needed to be there every day or else that source of income dried up. Not yeah. much different than the employee mindset in a lot of ways. I'm not technically an employee. But mm. technically I am. Then in the top right quadrant, we have a true entrepreneur, somebody who has built actual systems, somebody who recognizes the value of their time and recognizes also that they can be sleeping while they make money. Yeah. Then on the bottom right, we have the investor, somebody who deploys the cash that they have into investments that make them money. Hmm. And so that's, that's kind of how I've recently been viewing life. And I think it's important for somebody 18 to 24 to at least have, because not all of these things are going to soak through, at yeah. least have the, the recognition of employee versus deploying cash while I sleep. And I do think it's very cool that many young individuals right now, you look at YouTube, you look at Instagram, tons of people are popping up as investors, tons of people popping up and recognizing that they need to do something with their money. And mm. that was not the case in my early generation. We were not taught those things. We didn't have the exploration of all these investment vehicles um, that, uh, that we do today. So, so that's a real positive trend. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, we're just nearing the end of this episode and I want to ask you again, because I, I think that, uh, because of, uh, I don't know what the wisdom gap between us, I think I, I've, I've quite, uh, quite consumed a lot from you, but, uh, let's, let's go through this and we're talking about all these 
all these really positive outlooks and growth oriented outlooks and some you know this is kind of like an ideal way to approach your life or you know make a certainly sustainable lifestyle now how do you tell someone to be consistent in this because it's not easy suddenly or everyone was was able to do it so do you think that on some days and when when you're feeling that is it too overwhelming for me am i am i not will i not be able to do this so how do you sustain yourself for the long game because uh, attention spans decreasing and everything with that so we'll just end this episode with how how to be in the long game how do you sustain it yeah i there's within our two bucket strategy of yeah. career and something else that's unconstrained something that starts as an exploration of self and interest hmm. um the long game comes from your energy and following it right so if you feel energized by something like gardening hmm. then that should be where you begin writing where you begin creating youtube videos it starts with something that has nothing to do with the money it starts with that continuous scratching the surface of i'm interested in this and and over time the amount of things that you've put out into the world whether they be on instagram or youtube or linkedin or other social media sources that pop up over the years you will look back and say there's a common thread here i'm hmm. constantly talking about this and not that I'm constantly talking about things that are surprisingly unrelated to my career. Right. Just a fascinating data point for you to reflect on in life. Wow. Mm -hmm. Look at what I'm consistently talking about. And it takes years to uncover because we haven't been taught that. So I look at that unconstrained bucket and I look at growth and the sustaining of your growth mm -hmm. based specifically on following the energy. Right. I think that's a valid point. Yeah. And then from and then from a, you know, from a from a career perspective too. I mean, same thing. Follow the energy in your career. But I mm -hmm. also like to be very practical about the words we use in our career. Dream or passion. Because if we say I just want to be passionate about what I'm doing, and we use just that bucket to describe passion which is the corporate constrained construct yeah then i get myself into a trap because passion for somebody who's younger or older from a corporate perspective is very different from what we believe it to be Hmm. I was talking to Stephen Kotler on my podcast and he's like one of the world foremost thought leaders on human performance and he said to me, John, we, we all get into this trap because we think that passion is supposed to feel like the only correlation we have to the word passion, which is romantic love from the ages of 18 to 25. Mm -hmm. And we use that mental model, that mental construct in our life within a career to think that we're supposed to feel this constant 24-hour euphoria that we feel that when we're falling in love. And that is not correct. In fact, passion, whether you're in sports or whether in your career, actually feels like a continuous source of struggle and bursts of being elated, being happy, yeah. feeling like you accomplished something. It is not at all related to 
those feelings of romantic love. So, um, so think about that as you're going through your career, follow your interests, follow your energy, but don't fall for the passion trap when it comes to what you believe it to be. Message received. Uh, loud and clear. I hope uh, the audience also feels uh, the similar way. I, I believe it's it's certainly been an enlightening uh, talk with you, Mr. John Marty. Thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. And you you are you just never fail to amaze us. Is that right? <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. It's uh, been awesome. Uh, great questions. It's been uh, awesome being on the show. Thank you so much, John. And this brings us to the end of this really awesome episode of the most serious podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it did add some value in your life. We will be back again with another interesting conversation pretty soon. 